What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat-treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! Hey, welcome to Knife Talk. This is a podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, people who do things, you know, you. So, I'm Jeff Fader from Fader Knives, and we're here with Mareko Momasi, Momasi Fire Arts, and Chop Knives' own Craig Lockwood. Guys, how are you? Good, good, Very good, good. good. Very good. It's been a good week. Yeah, how about you, man? How about me? It's been a, a two-week... Uh, number one, big thanks to Neil Kamamura for stepping in for me last week. He did an incredible job as normal. He's an incredible guy. You guys did an awesome job. I love listening to that podcast. I was listening to it, the last episode of Knife Talk as a fan. and I, I We just, got deep. We got real deep. I tell you what, it was an <laughs> awesome episode. And I was just, you know, I was like riveted. And um, I was grateful that you guys, you know, that Neil stepped in for me because I had, the last episode I was on, I explained that I was super, super busy and just like I've committed to too many things and after we recorded our last episode of Knife Talk, I stayed in the shop and I was grinding on these knives and I'm working with, with uh, Chef Carl Ruiz. I've talked about him a lot on the podcast. I actually mentioned to him, I mentioned him in the last episode right at the end. He's a chef, a celebrity chef. He works on Food Network. He's also a co-host on uh, the Opie Radio podcast. He's a, a funny, hysterical. I designed the... Um, the Cuban knife that I, you know, apparently I'm known for now with him. And then we did great and blah, blah, blah. And I'm working on his next uh, series of knives called the Bandito. And I was grinding on them and I got a call from his assistant. His assistant is a wonderful woman named Gloria. She's a fantastic person. And every time she calls, it's usually because he's, he's around. So I literally... I saw the phone ringing. I turned the grinder off. I answered the phone. I thought, all right, last time she called, he was in at ESPN in Connecticut, and he said he was going to stop on by. Well, unfortunately, the news was relative, was incredibly sad. He had passed away um, the night bef- that night 
that uh, Saturday passed away. So it was like it was an, it was an, it was totally surreal and it was incredibly sad. But in the beginning, I, I mean, you guys, I don't know. I mean, I I've lost my father. I've lost a few people, but you know that initial stage of of uh, loss and grief is a strange feeling, and it was incredibly sad because he was so supportive of lots of young guys lots of you know he wasn't he didn't need the glitz and the glam of famous people he believed in you know he was a super super funny guy he was incredibly supportive of me and us and it was incredibly sad and um yeah so i asked and then i had to go i was running around and then i ran down to florida to do uh, a knife talk uh a knife clinic or a, a blacksmithing clinic and Carl was an incredible guy, and we, re- I really, and the first time I actually met him was with Mareko. Physically, I, I, Mareko yeah. and I went down, and uh, we actually went to his, his old restaurant, and he was just a dynamite guy, and it was super sad, and, but at the same time, it was a lot of his fans that were kind of reminiscing about uh, him and everything like that, so uh, I won't go too much into him just because this is, you know, this is knife talk. This isn't, you know, but yeah. he was an incredible guy and we're really sad. And, and in regards to how this is in, you know, is knife related, you know, I'm still working on his knives. And when he passed away, I I didn't sleep the next that night because I really wanted to send a like, a you know, a progress report to the, his customers for the knives that are already paid for working on and kind mm-hmm. of a, who he was. And, and uh, so I wrote a nice little uh, obituary, so, so to speak, a c- celebration of who he was. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was truly sad. And then immediately Tony and I had decided um, immediately there wasn't even it wasn't a long conversation we decided True. we're not making the Cuban knives anymore we're not making the bandito knives once these bandito knives are done we're retiring the design and it it it, it uh it's just you know without him without a collaborator it ain't a yeah. collaboration and, when, and I didn't really you have no idea who who reached out it, you know they wanted a piece of who he was and look if you guys have any questions, you want to keep me keep going. I'm happy to, but you know, step in here. You know. No, I just, I just, I, I know you had a lot of respect for him. I know when you met him, you had a lot of fun with him. Uh, you seem to be kindred spirits, so my thoughts were with you when I heard the news. I certainly and, uh, appreciate it. Yeah, he's a good dude. He was a lot of fun. Hey, listen, Mareko and I went down to his restaurant, and <laughs> he treated us amazing. I mean, he was so happy to see us, and. Yeah. The hilarious thing is, you remember what he, what kind of food he sent us? Is what he brought out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just everything. He, like, brought out everything <laughs> on his menu, basically. The, the funniest <laughs> part was he sent out roast chickens, and then there was pasta with fried shrimp and all this stuff. Oh, and we're yeah. sitting it, and both, and Mareko and I are just like, you know, we we work all the time. Our our eating is not is not always you know like we don't eat like that all the time. So he's setting out all this food and stuff like that. And then he sits sits down and goes, "You like it? You like it? You like it?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's incredible." It's shrimps and fried shrimps, and he's just like, "Yeah, I decided to change the menu because I wanted the menu to represent what it's like to be at a Staten Island wedding." It was hilarious. <laughs> it was so funny. Remember that? Oh god, yeah, yeah. He, I, it was. Yeah, it's he, very local for a lot of you guys, but it's like he he really created this. You know, it's a, a, this Italian American Staten yeah. Island menu. It's hilarious. Well, and then he sent us away with these giant sandwiches as well. After we'd already eaten a bunch of food, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He was great, and and uh, he actually, he awesome you know, host. when I do my collaborations with chefs, a lot of times these chefs have a social media manager, and we make an arrangement where they. 
they'll send out a couple, you know, bumps to try to sell their knives, but they're not really invested in it. When yeah. I designed the Cuban knife, I really, it was a joke, to be honest with you. The design was a joke. I was on Instagram Live with him, and he was just like, yeah, I need something sinister, and I want it to look rusty and rough, and I want it to look like a pirate. You know, I want it to be, like, crazy. So, like, all right, here you go. So, I didn't think no. it was going to turn into anything, and it was really like, you know, but it, but he kind of embodied it, and... He used to put it in his, because I knew the Kydex sheath with it, it was all, you know, he put it in his pants all the time and he would whip it out and do all these crazy things and it kind of embodied <laughs> who he was. So it was like, I it, honestly, you know, it was, it was amazing and, and, um, he'll be missed. And his, his, his podcast partner, Opie reached out to me and he's going to come up and I, you know, he's, he's devastated because I mean, Carl really sure. was hilarious. And with that said, if you kind of want to know the kind of guy Carl was, go listen to the Opie radio podcast. And basically from episode one to up to now, it's a really, it, it paints the picture of who he was and, 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 you know, it was amazing. I was just going to say that. Yeah. I mean, he's a lot. He, I mean, Tony, who my, my business partner, Tony, who was in the restaurant business and he was an executive chef, hated restaurant. He hates restaurant people. He's just like these motherfuckers. I'm not interested in them at all. And then Carl in the beginning, he was like, ah, this guy, Carl. And then all of a sudden he's just like, I love this guy. He's the only reason to be on social media. You know, he was hilarious <laughs> on social media. So no. it was a huge loss. And uh, I'm going to go to a, uh, they invited me down to an event in the city this coming week. And I'm going to go down and pay my respects. And Blah blah blah. So, so tell us what else you because you oh. went to go and see Jonathan Porter, didn't you? I you tell your, you what, Jonathan Porter of Dog messing House about Forge. with horses. It was a little. It was a little bit like Brokeback Mountain. There was you two there well, in the check shirts and well, these horses. It was, well, it was a bit much. I mean, you know, that's, that's you know that's a stretch, but I understand. You know, I'm fine, <laughs> cowboys. I tell you what, Jonathan Porter is an incredible host. He's got an awesome shop, Dog House Forge, down in Lakeland, Florida. He gives it his all. He, his shop is awesome. He's got such loyal uh, fans and customers who come and take his classes. And we just did it. But I don't want to teach knife making classes because it's like, you know, I, my personal opinion is, is I think most knife making classes should be knife making people who want to be bladesmiths should be focusing on blacksmithing. So I try to like stay away from teaching knife making classes and I would rather teach uh, introductory blacksmithing classes, but make them fun. So he reached out a while ago. He and I talk a lot. He's such a good guy. And then um, we had a class and we did the first day we forged out tongs. And this was his idea. I wanted to do bottle openers and tongs. His idea was to say, let's swap it around. Let's do the first day. We'll make tongs. And then the second day, we'll use the tongs to make bottle openers. And it was awesome. And his guys were super great. And he just, Jonathan is such a good dude. He was so generous. He, he, I didn't pick up a bill. He picked me up from the airport. He drove me around. He 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 took he and his wife took him out for an incredible meal at this restaurant where his knives are in. It's called uh, Rooster in the Till. Incredible food. We laughed. We were in the car together a lot. He took me watching horsing uh, horsing shoes, shoeing horses. And I tell you what, all you fucking people who think that blacksmiths shoe horses, there's nothing even close. The fact that there's an anvil on his truck and a hammer, that's about it. It's like. He was so incredible with the horses and the customers, and it was a, it was an eye opening experience. So that was that, and I'll just end up with saying I I'm fucking tired because I did paella mania and I cooked th four <laughs> giant paellas yesterday at this Croton Oktoberfest. There were thousands of people there, and we sold out everything. Nice, and That's I great. ain't making paella again. That's it. I'm retiring. <laughs> My wife's like, why are we buying these goddamn pants? I'm like, yeah, right. I got to make it again. So, <laughs> Dustin lids. 
Yeah, dusty ass shields. I mean, I tell you, the hilarious thing is, we had uh, and my, if we do beefs, I'm gonna beef about uh, some old lady. But the, but uh, I had to I bring the paella pans down to the restaurant to get to bring the dishwasher, and I mean, it's like a two hundred seventy pound pans. And I look, the dishwasher looks at me, and she's just like, "You motherfucker, you! What are you? <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, I'm like, sh- I mean, it's like taking all these people. I was like, all right, where do you want me to put these? And she's like, I want you to shove them far up your ass. <laughs> so take them to a car wash. Oh my god! Way. I mean, might as well. I can't. You can't put them in a sink. Yeah. yeah, I mean they're they're four feet in diameter. They're almost they're thirty six inches in diameter. Yeah, so strap them to the roof of the car and through a car wash. Oh my, that's a good idea. That, oh, the dishwasher saw two of them and she's like, "I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna <laughs> literally kill you." I fucked away off, and that's it. So that's it. Paella career is over. <sighs> Moving on to fresher pastures. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> now I'm Morocco, yeah. What have you been up to? Uh, this past week, so I've been working on uh, those that kind of in-house production. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to end up actually calling it Echo. Uh, you know, our our friend uh, Quentin Middleton of uh, Middleton Made Knives, he actually uh, gave me a call to bust my balls a little bit because he has an Echo line himself, basically yeah. along the same lines as a uh, because of the uh, excuse my little bit of a cold right now, but for the. Uh, uh, the economical aspect of the knives. And so um, we're not sure if we're going to actually end up calling it that. So, but I've been making progress with those. I did all the finish grinding. Uh, the one thing I was trying to figure out how to make them stand apart is, uh, is because they're mono steel. I was like, I, I got to do my S grind in them, but I was really struggling to figure out how to do the S grind in an efficient way, but I figured it out. And nice. uh, so I got them all S ground and uh, I started working on handle assemblies, and they're coming along. And while I'm doing that, I'm also doing my custom stuff at the same time. Um, forged out a new knife. Uh, I think last week I talked about knife getting all messed up. So thanks again mm-hmm. to my buddy Kelly Rigg over uh, Big Hammer Technology. He really helped me out um, welding my tiles together with his TIG welder. Uh, I really need to get a hold of something. Because <laughs> not having a TIG welder sucks. TIG and having really a TIG nice. welder to use are so fucking nice uh but got that stuck together forged it out made a monster ass knife it's uh it's at 11 and a half inches right now Jeez. it's two and a half inches wide at the uh, heel it's a big old beast and that's coming together and then i think lastly so I'm, i want to start doing more youtube stuff uh i've been at having people ask me to put my uh you know my pattern well wednesdays and other kind of informational stuff up onto youtube which really makes sense because instagram unfortunately is not very searchable um it's really hard to find stuff uh, especially in people's feeds you gotta dig 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 and if they're not properly labeled uh, like literally on the picture you're not gonna know what you're looking at and you can just pass it right up so we're gonna start putting up stuff on youtube and there was a little bit of uh, organizational stuff we had to do there because apparently I had two YouTube's account, two YouTube accounts, and um, I had to kind of tr- figure out how to consolidate them and also try to give people an opportunity who are on one to move over to the other before just completely de- deleting that account and everything. Yeah. So, um, but we're looking to be getting uh, more of that informational stuff up on YouTube so it's easier to find, it's easier to search, um, and have access to. So cool. that'd be a good resource. Good resource for everyone. I hope so. I, hope so. I got a what question about, for you back. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt, but go back to TIG welding. If you if you were to get a TIG welder, and I think that a lot of people, a lot of our listeners, a lot of them 
are some of them are welders and some of them are welders. How would sure. you go about getting a TIG welder? Do you know what you would do or? So for what I'm doing with the TIG welding, with, especially with my Damascus, I'm doing uh, at the tiling portion. I'm I'm just doing fusion welds, and right. so and I'm not looking for. <clears throat> excuse me uh looking for deep penetration um right so i i'm i'm only running it at maybe a hundred amps um to get a, just under an eighth of an inch bead yeah. uh, going at the weld joint and that's all I, I just need it to stay together so i can put it in the forge let it come up to temperature soak for a couple minutes and then squish it under my press and once that's there then i don't care about the welds anymore Actually, I don't care so, at all. Why, why I'm getting to it is because a lot of people who are interested in getting, you know, there's different types of TIG welders. And for what, sure. and a lot of times TIG welding isn't for, I mean, if you go to construction sites, they're not sure. building buildings with TIG welders. It's not really meant for deep penetration. It's so, no. so you can get uh, what's, you know, you, ha- you sometimes you see a TIG welder with a pedal. And then that controls sure. your, you know, a much more fine tune. But you can also get, like, if you have an ACDC welder, you can yeah. get the stuff to actually do a scratch start TIG. It's a little bit oh. less expensive than buying a, a, a TIG welder with uh, a foot pedal and, and water-cooled TIG welders. So actually, oh, one, of the things, one of the things I did, well, I happen to have an ACDC buzz box. And you can get a wand... Um, that you pu- that you actually hook into the stinger end of your t- of your arc welder. The ground right. is the same, but this this sure. the this the TIG stinger hat goes to a tank, and you can just buy. You can instead of leasing a tank, you can buy small argon tanks. Right. So there are options if, especially if you're just looking to get into TIG welding, but you don't want to go and buy you know a very very expensive TIG. Yeah. There are ways in which if you especially if you do a light welding. You can get into TIG welding relatively inexpensively. Interesting. That's good to yeah. know. I, no, it, all it's I've good. ever known are like lunchbox, like at the smallest, which is like still a, a six to seven hundred dollar unit. Oh, uh, those are cheap. Those little toaster oven TIG welders. Those are all scratch start TIG welders. The, I know that Miller makes one that I used to. You know, you put it on a, it's a shoulder strap, and they are incredible they're incredible uh tig welders that are you could use 120 and stuff like that but there are i think a lot of people get nervous because i used to call tig welding the fly fishing of welding because you know you have your you know you have your uh the tungsten in one hand you have your filler rod in the other and you got a foot pedal so you're kind of doing three things at the same time but you can kind of like bring it down to a way to make it much more easy and not as intimidating especially for what you're doing you know what the first time i had ever seen TIG welding, I was very intimidated, as you were just yeah. saying. But after yeah. watching, I really learned how to do it at Dragon's Breath. Peter Swarsbert, fortunately, did, you know, he, he had some stuff he had to weld up. So he was like, just stand on my shoulder and watch. Yeah. And it was really interesting. At first, I was, it was a little, uh, you know, hand-eye coordination, getting, right. like keeping the arc the, the right distance away from the material and then remembering to keep, you know, scooting that filler rod in right. and then feathering the pedal. But it once, after a few times, it actually was pretty natural, especially if you've ever driven um, either a manual stick shift, as silly as it sounds. Like it's, it's like feathering the clutch Uh-oh. on a stick shift. I can't, and, drive, um, I can't drive stick. 
Well, I mean, if you can, I never learned. I never learned. I never learned. What are you getting so mad about? I never learned how to drive stick. It's the only way. That's the only way. I grew up in Manhattan. I didn't have to drive until I was in college. It's full of old ladies (laughs) driving automatics that were here in New York. Only old ladies. (laughs) Come on, man. I I mean, stick shift is the way. It's pretty awesome. I mean, I don't know how to do it. Fine. But yeah. Let's take the subway. The I bet you can do it. Yeah. Stick shift. I bet I can't. I bet I'll, I'll bet I'll, you know, my, my wife, when I was younger, my wife tried to teach me and she was afraid that, uh, we were, she was, we were dating. She put me, we were in Wisconsin and, and she had me in her old Volvo and I'm like, I'm going to fuck this car up. She's like, oh, no, no, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you. I'm like, Ugh, I'm going to fuck this car up. And then all of a sudden she's like, yeah, maybe we should practice some other time. Like, yeah, you, <laughs> you listen to me. I I'm always listening. found that pe- people learning how to, because I've dr- I taught a few people how to drive stick shift. The biggest thing for people to understand is that you don't have to let the clutch all the way out, all in one motion. You can let it like seventy five percent of the way out until you really make sure that your you know your gear is caught, and then let it out that last little twenty five percent and go. Uh, especially when yeah. you're first starting, it's, and, it's analog. It's not binary. It's not on and off. It's a it's a gradual yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, I like to be. I, faders to are known for clutch. being. In, Faders are known for being passengers. I enjoy being a passenger. <laughs> I, I have no. I'm driving mean, literally, Miss Daisy over here. My, uh, fine, no problem. I have no. My <laughs> sisters and I, we all like to. We like to put our seats back and go ahead. Take me wherever you need to go. I don't. Doesn't Luxurious. give a fuck. I don't. I love it. Oh, yeah, of course, a hundred percent. If I didn't have to drive, I wouldn't. I love being a passenger. I don't. Oh jeez! No. Pro- oh, what do you mean? Oh jeez! It's great. <sighs> I love it's the it. Worst thing. It's the worst. I hate it. I'm the worst. Oh. Passenger ever. Oh, I'm terrible. The, I'm the best. Are you passenger. backseat driving? I'm not a backseat yeah. driver. However, my wife no, sometimes crazy. will grab the the fake emergency brake when I'm driving. That drives me off the wall. She grabs, <laughs> you know, she grabs the ceiling and then like kind of kicks the fucking the the, bra- the imaginary brake on the passenger side. I'm like, yeah. come on, Hill, Hill, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm fine. We're not going to get an accident. Don't worry. Oh, are you tailgater? I'm not, I'm, I am like, I do drive like an old lady. I, I honestly, I, I, uh, I don't, I never, when I'm driving, I never feel the need to go like a banana. I, I like to just do my thing and sure. You have to get one of those, one of those low riders that Neil drives. Just take it easy and just, just slow, That's, sort of chill uh, out driving around the city. I, I'd be too afraid to get in this car. I feel like I'd have like a screwdriver in my pocket and rip the seat. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Craig? How's your last week been? Um, it's been a good one overall, overall. Um, so I launched what I'm calling the Sustainable Knife Project, um, which is basically me having to tidy up my, my workshop here and just seeing all the crap that I'm throwing out. And I'm sure. just thinking, how far up the chain does this go? You know, there's, you know, does my supplier, it's their place like this. Is the manufacturer of the steel, is their place like this? Yeah. Um, and it just, it just made me think about, you know, you hold one knife in your hand and how much waste is involved in this one knife. So... It's more of an exploratory thing, really, just to, just to see what I can do to make each knife a bit more sustainable. So um, I've had messages from people saying, "Yeah, you could use recycled material, you know, recycled steels and all that." And uh, you know, that's what I'm not. In, I'm not into that. I still want to make the best knife possible that I can make, um, but I just want to make these tweaks to make sure it's the most sustainable it could be. You know, for, for the quality that it is. So I've spoken with um, Sandvik, who supply most of my steel. Um, that you know. They're, they manufacture the steel. Um, and I've got a meeting with them on Tuesday, just a Skype call, and they're going to talk through, you know, their sustainability plans and that, you know, to give me a better sort of understanding. And the idea is I can just pass all this information on to everybody else, you know. So I've got a, uh, a mailing list. Um, people can, can sign up there. And once a week, I'll just, I'll just spit, spit out the reports of what I've been learning that week. 
and and you know hopefully it, you know it, these small changes that you know if everybody does these small changes it'll it'll add up to something add up to something but um but the, you know my my main focus is still make the best knife that i can so i'm not going to be digging around the back garden trying to dig up all of <laughs> rusty steel <laughs> oh i was um, going to say this this one's made out of like a you know chewed up bone the dog buried <laughs> exactly like that. that's that's not what i'm into because you know at the end of the day i i I, I'm not mass producing what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm certainly having sort of production runs on what I'm doing. And, you know, I wouldn't have the time to go and find, you know, 10,000 saw blades. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's that balance of, you know, trying to be sustainable as you can, but also trying to make the best knife that you can. So, yeah, there's, I'm going to be sort of feeding back all the information that I get. Um, I've got lots of plans to reach out to more people, um, to other um, sort of mills, uh, steel mills, that kind of thing as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all very encouraging at the moment. So if you were to go to, um, chopknives.com, sustainable hyphen knife hyphen project, you'll be able to sign up there and get an email once a week, um, to, you know, to find out what I found out basically. Um, what else this week? So, oh yes, a bad one, a bad one. So I was in Manchester back in the UK last week, which is where we recorded last week's podcast, uh, with, with Neil Morocco. Um, and I was there to see a client. Um, and I'd had all the good signs from this client. They were about to order 250 uh, bespoke knives. Oh, my God. Um, and, you know, I don't normally fly over especially to see a client, uh, but I did. And they wanted a sample, so I actually made a sample, which took me a couple of days as well. Um, and basically, I wasn't talking to the right person. I made that mistake of not talking to the right person. <sighs> so I put all this effort in, and I didn't get the work. And nope. I was fuming. I was so, fuming. So, so you, you got a hold of the busboy, and the busboy told you to make a sample? <laughs> Well, oh not, not quite, not quite. It, it's, it's the restaurant. This it's a new restaurant that's opening, and it's the restaurant manager that I was speaking with. Um, but it, it's quite a big sort of celebrity chef who owns it, yeah. and, and all the rest of it. So didn't get the chance to speak with them. I have done since, and found out that in the end they just ordered some civilian knives instead. Um, so very different, you know, than ordering custom knives. But I wish they told me that it wasn't a serp from the beginning when they said, "Yes, we love the knives. It's within budget." I got quite excited and all the yeah. rest of it. And yeah, jumped ahead of the gun. So that, that was a lesson learned. So I think what we're doing in the future is um, having a very, very simple contract made for clients um, to sign. And basically, the, the, I haven't got the work until I've got the deposit in the bank. That's the way I need to sort of frame things now. Not, oh, sure. yes, we've got this work in. Um, so that was a bit of a letdown. But, um, you know, not getting getting me down too much because you know, when I went there, I met with other restaurants and all that kind of thing. So that was the beginning of the week. Then, yes, the Sustainable Knife Project. And then we had our our Musical Makers Challenge, which was set by Neil last week. Wow. <laughs> that so was anybody awesome. Who, anybody who listened last week, um, I mentioned to Neil that I play guitar and Marek also plays guitar and, and Neil plays guitar. So then Neil suggested we should have a smackdown, which is, he said, get any <laughs> cheesy 90s song and we need to record a version of it and put it up on instagram so i've forgotten about this until literally last night and and Neil said i've recorded mine i'm about to put it up and i'm like ah shit so yeah the babies were just getting ready for bed so we sort of put them in their walkers recorded and, and, and uploaded and, and Marekko did his as well but it was good fun actually so the three of us recorded no. our 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 sort of cheesy 90s pop songs M- uh, M- and we can we talk about them at some point sure. okay sure. go ahead yeah. keep going keep going 
I just don't want you to it. gloss over it. I want to make sure we kind of <laughs> we got to we got to dive a little bit into the into the into the songs. But yeah, keep going. <laughs> well, you know when Morocco just said about um, Instagram, you know, you lose stuff on the feed, it just gets buried. I'm thinking, thank God for that. <laughs> thank God for that. But that's it. That's my week. That took us right up to last night when these recordings were made. Nice. Yeah, I was so I was so impressed with all three of you. <laughs> I mean, like literally, like I was ready. I was ready to like start to kind of grade them and decide, you know, which one was the best one and everything like that. But you all are very, you know, you're all, you're all, y'all sang good. You all played good. I was, I, Neil wasn't. Neil made that his song not that cheesy. Like I've heard him sing before, and he's hmm. good. But like he kind of like made that song better than. What well, I remember he just, it being. He's just laid back and cool, isn't he? So, you know, anything he does, he's going to come <laughs> off as laid back and cool. Mine was just cheesy and embarrassing. <laughs> I didn't think it was that cheesy. I didn't think he, any of them were cheesy. None of them were. Yeah. I mean, none of them were cheesy. I will say one thing. I ain't going to break your balls a little bit, Craig. Craig. When Craig does any challenge, he sticks his goddamn kids into the videos all the time. <laughs> and it's totally 100%. I know exactly what you're doing. You know, it's not. I'm. I'm not just sticking oh. the kids in. They're, yeah, they're yeah, around. Yeah. Oh, what am I going to do? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You need to go up to bed now because Daddy Amy, needs to Amy, fart around recording the song. Amy, push him closer to me. We're gonna make make sure one grabs the back of my shirt while I'm singing to her. I know what you're doing, man. <laughs> that jig is up. That jig is up. I know what Don't you. You've done that with away. the Miracle Will do it next week. Don't give it away. <laughs> oh, dude. I tell you what. I was very impressed. I was very impressed with all three of you guys. Did all did a great job, but Craig, I got your number, man. I got your number. You do just throw the little kids in for a little bit of, you know, help me out of here. I didn't think any of them so, were cheesy. That's for sure. I didn't think any of them were cheesy. So if, was, if anybody hasn't seen them, they don't know what we're talking about. We put them on our feed. So yeah. Neil did uh, "No Diggity," which was the the Blackstreet song. Uh, Mareko did a Britney Spears song, "Hit Me I, Baby One and More Time." He did a great job. Yeah. It did. wasn't cheesy. It didn't. It wasn't cheesy. It wasn't cheesy. I didn't think it was cheesy. And I did the Backstreet Boys. I can't think what the song is called. Now, yeah. Well, um, thanks for yeah, putting it. I stuck. want it that way. I yeah, that one. and you stuck one, yeah. that in my head, bro. There was a, there was a all from the last twelve hours. I was like, it was like stuck in my head. Thank you. <laughs> but no, it was good fun. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think we'll be doing it again, but it was certainly good fun. This is Marco Malmasi reporting for KTP News. All right, so. This is where we talk about some of the things that are going on in the knife world, uh, especially timely things. And first thing to get off our chest are, uh, is Blade Show West. So Blade Show is coming up at the very beginning of November. It's, it's November 1st through 3rd in Portland, Oregon. If you haven't already made arrangements, you're interested in going. Go check it out, and if you are going to be an attendee, uh, if you you can save twenty percent on your tickets right now uh, using the promo code Neil Twenty uh, on the on the website at bladeshow.com, or I think yeah, it's bladeshow.com, uh, and you can go. Uh, it say, and it get says blade. Isn't it say Blade West at bladeshow.com? That's uh, so that's an uh, email for a oh, different portion, part sorry, of the news. Sorry, oh, old that man you, Fed that you're not, not reporting right now. Fed. A web address <laughs> to an email address. Fuck me. Sorry. Go back as you were. Pretend that the death. <laughs> that's that's called an email address, not a website. Um, 
Okay. So, anyways, so the so <laughs> just like Blade, Blade Showdown in Atlanta, uh, they got all the different knife vendors, um, but they're trying to really. Um, emphasize the culinary knives at this show especially in portland it's a very foods uh forward city and uh they're doing the uh, first annual chef's knife cutting competition so essentially they're gonna pit uh i think i was i was actually watching neil's neil did a live feed the other day and he was talking about how uh they're actually gonna do chefs against chefs as well as uh, knife makers against knife makers so possibly have a, a couple different categories of people competing but the biggest thing they need to know right now from knife makers is who actually wants to compete who's going to be there and compete because they want to kind of get an idea of numbers wise so if you think you're going to compete send them an email as jeff was just saying at blade oh. blade west at bladeshow.com so if you send them an the email put in the subject line chef's knife cutting competition let them know that you're interested they'll get you uh, you know um all the, all the rules and everything. The the rules are on their website, but they'll make sure that you got those rules and all the everything that goes along with that to make sure uh, that you understand what's going on and what you're responsible for. Um, and right, yeah. So that's what I got for Blade Blade Show news. Um, so to, to, and then talk you through that, Jeff. What you need to do is get your AOL CD, put it in, <laughs> that into that grayish that beige box thing that yeah. you've got. Yeah. Um, you Go sign ahead. up to like. Bigboy69 yeah. at AOL.com. Is that your, is that your, is that what you, are you Bigboy69? Is that your, that is it? Not, not at all. Not oh. at all. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, 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 do I need to, I need to get, uh, okay, I'll get away from the dial tone first. I use my That's fax the one, machine. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. That's it. It'll take your time and yeah. Mm. But yeah, Mareko's right. BladeWest at Bladeshow.com. Let them know if you come in and also remember the, the promo code to get money off your tickets if you just want to go as a, as a viewer is Neil20. Do we know, do you guys know who else, who is already scheduled to be there? Anybody? Is oh, Chef Living fingers? Good? Is, Col- is Coulter going to be there? I, I don't know up? if Coulter's going to be there. I don't know if Coulter's going to be there, but knife maker wise, you know, like uh, Ian Rogers going to be there. Jeremy nice. Spake's actually going to be doing some demonstration. That's actually another thing about Blade West that's really interesting. So at Blade in Atlanta, they do uh, demonstrations and seminars, but usually they, they cost a little bit. At Blade West, uh, because they're still trying to build up the show and trying to encourage attendance, they, they're they're making those uh, seminars free. So if you want to check out any of those, they actually have a schedule of all the seminars that are become uh, going to be available. And Jeremy Spake is actually going to be one of the demonstrators and seminar speakers, kind of talking about his Scandi knives. Jay Spake, Road to Victory. Love that guy. Road to Victory. Love him. Let's talk about our EDCs, which we haven't, um, we didn't actually put any up this week. Um, and there is a reason for that. So we've had two weeks now putting up um, our EDC episodes, which is our everyday content episodes, which we put throughout the rest of the week. So as everybody knows, we have our main Monday show. But what we've been doing every sort of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is putting up just a little five minute show. Now, you know, controlling all the dials here, I get to see the, the stats. So we were definitely having more people listening throughout the week because we were having more shows. But what I did find is that the Monday show, we actually lost listeners around about 4%, which, you know, it doesn't sound like much, but, you know, 4% of 50,000 is, is a lot of people. No. So I'm wondering whether EDC, should we should be doing it. I don't know. And I think the only way to, to really 
know if we should is, is to ask the ask the listeners. So what I'll yeah. do on Monday morning, I'll put up a um, one of those question panels on Instagram. Oh boy! Um, and we'll just say, you know, have you been listening to EDCs, and do you think we should continue? Um, because I enjoy doing them. I think the other guys do too. And it's, it's that extra bit of content, but there is that risk that people are just seeing, oh, it's just another episode and not listening when it's right. our big, it's our big Monday episode, you know, yeah. which is, which is the fun one. So, Get yeah, ready I'll for do- all the ideas. Get ready for all the ideas. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. you know what you guys t- should do? Yeah. Here it comes. <laughs> we don't particularly want ideas from you. We just want to know whether EDC should <laughs> you hear continue. That? You hear that, you fuckers? <laughs> we don't want your ideas. <laughs> Just answer yes or no. <laughs> what else we got in the news? Ah, the meetup. So there was a Knife Talk listeners meetup um, last weekend, um, which I should have been at. Um, I I was stuck on a train. So I went over to Manchester for this meeting, um, and it turned out not to be fruitful, which is a kick in the balls. <laughs> Secondly, when I'm on the train back now on the Saturday morning, um, Somebody, um, it's very unfortunate, but somebody jumped on the train lines and um, got hit by a train. Oh, my God. There's there's a fatality. On your train? Not on the train that I was on, but on that route. So it must have been the previous train. So they had to cancel my train. So I was sort of six or seven hours later getting back. So I didn't get back to South Wales where it was happening until sort of 7 or 8 p.m. when it was dark already. So I couldn't make it. Um, but I've seen lots of pictures of the people who went. Oh, they seem thank to have God. Really... I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, oh, no, not of that. No. Um, but they seem to have a really good time. And they, I know they had great food. Um, I know from what I can see, Jake has got an amazing setup there. So he's got, the, he's got like an outdoor kitchen and so on in the middle of the woods. And they all had, yeah, it all looked like great, great fun. So hopefully they'll be doing that again. And hopefully I'll be able to attend the next one. Yeah, yeah I want to see. Where are the pictures? Are there pictures on Instagram? Um, they were, they were mainly in people's stories. Um, oh, right. J- Jake, if you're listening, could you forward them to the Knife Talk podcast and we can sort of put them up on our stories and that'd be cool. That'd be awesome. I got a, I got a message from Jake. He wanted me to break your balls, Craig, about not being there. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you're known for bailing. You bailed on me in Barcelona too. So it isn't that much of a surprise. <laughs> Oh, geez, that's twice now, yeah. Oh, Make, <laughs> you know, making a name fine. for myself. Guys, don't worry. He asks, if he says he's coming, he's going to be there. <laughs> wink, wink, wink. He's going to be there. Lucky, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, a guy got hit by a train 10 days ago, and uh, I can't make it. <laughs> no, it wasn't like that. At all. All I, re- right. I, was, I was actually gutted that I couldn't go, because I... I Flown over from France, and it, you know, in my suitcase, I had my sleeping bag, and I had like a hammock. I had all this stuff with me. And if I got stopped by security, they'd think I'm some sort of mad survivalist or something. It was crazy, yeah. but um, <laughs> yeah, all in, all in vain, unfortunately. Well, yeah. uh, talking about other dates regarding our uh, the artisan and steel calendar. Quick shout out to uh, the wonderful Miss Grace Horn, very talented. She's a featured artist of. Uh, or craftsperson of this month's Artisan and Steel calendar. So coming up this October 12th and 13th, there are a few things going on. First uh, is the Auckland Blade Show in Auckland, New Zealand. That's happening the 12th and 13th. We got the Fall Finney Woods Hammerin happening in Washington, Arkansas. Uh, if you want information on that, I, I believe that is an ABS-sanctioned hammerin, so they will have information on the ABS website. Uh, that's American Bladesmith Society. And then uh, in Puy-de-Dôme, France, uh, there is the Salon de Cotillier. And so... 
if you are going to be checking those out, uh, yeah, that's when they're happening. Just so people know. Cool. Yeah. We've got something in the notes here about instant coffee being in the news. Anything? Know oh, yeah. Anybody know anything about that? Yeah, we got sent a message from Matt This Zipnip. I don't like that name. And he sent <laughs> it in, and it seemed he thought that this might be a funny little story that uh, uh, sent to us. You know, we talk about you know coffee etching and stuff like that a lot. So the the the, the story is: man fights off arm robber with jar of instant coffee. Um, is this like one of those light news things they put at the end of a heavy news I mean, section? I guess there's a picture of this dude holding a Nescafe, the, the, the same kind of Nescafe Classico that uh, <laughs> that Mareko has been telling everybody, oh, telling us all to use. And he's holding oh, yeah. it like he's about to hit somebody over the side of the dome with it. All right, so <laughs> an attempted arm... Attempted armed carjacking has been thwarted by a 48-year-old man in his jar of instant coffee. The would-be car, <laughs> the would-be carjacker, armed with a handgun, confronted Melbourne man Jason at a highway service station at 9:40 p.m. on Tuesday. Jason told the news uh, he was buying cigarettes and coffee when the armed man decided uh, demanded the keys to his Mercedes. He goes, he had a handgun pointed at me. Uh, and I sort of stepped back and said, you're not getting my keys. And Jason said a scuffle ensued, the man striking his head with a firearm, so he got pistol whipped, while Jason used the jar of Nescafe to defend himself. The offender reportedly struck Jason in the head a second time before stealing his cigarettes and fleeing in an awaiting vehicle. He's like, I think uh, most people should probably hand the keys over, but not, I'm not one of those people. So he... he uh, Huh. Guys took his guy took his cigarettes. He's all he got was his cigarettes. He got a a head full of coffee etch. They he got a knocked in the side of the head with a with a bottle. Of, he got knocked in the side of the head with a with a glass bottle. So there you go, <laughs> coffee etch in the news. It's it's good. It's good for more than one thing. Damn right, more than yeah. two things. Yeah, for sure. Drink it, etch with it, and hit somebody over the head with it. Defend yourself. I, I will. <laughs> those bottles are actually some surprisingly sturdy. I've accidentally dropped them a couple times, and they did not break. They are super thick. You get you get hit with one of those things, man. It is a it is a problem. It's a problem. So he did the right thing. Ah, look, he lost his cigarettes. He won't give it. He won't give it over that Mercedes. That's for sure. Combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! Do it now. 15% off. That's a bargain. Head on over to Combat Abrasives and see what they've got. We all use their belts. They're amazing. So we have some people who are uh, giving fritz to our old uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger impressionist. We have we've had somebody leave a message on our on our telephone line. Listen to this. Hello. You want to talk about abrasives? You should hear how abrasive I get when I hear your shitty Arnie impersonation. Take it now, or I'll throw you out of the goddamn chopper. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah, a little that bit. That's probably the good. best impression we've had on the hotline. That might have been the best question we've gotten on the hotline. He sounded like he had a little bit of glug in his throat, though. He had a rolling out. He had a little bit of you know glug in his throat. Uh, yeah, but that was a good yeah, one. Peop- 
people are not enjoying our fake army, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I like the you know what I like I like the sports guy but the funny thing is when you first got the sports guy he was recording hey you can I ask you a question and then I think that yeah. you had him change it to hey man but I liked it he's yelling at people saying hey you <laughs> <laughs> now nah, still one of my favorites is this one still let's take a deep dive <laughs> <sighs> So we do these deep dive questions now, and basically it's it's a question that one of us hosts are going to set for all three hosts, and I think it was Jeff this week. So what's your question, Jeff? Yeah, so, you know, thinking about how we're working and stuff like that, I really, I tried to figure out a way which we could actually think about what we're doing. So I, I, I my question was, we all have a vision of where we want our businesses or lives to be. What is the road to get there? So, like, you know, you you have an idea of what you want you know, in regards to the knife making business, but what are the steps that you need to take in order to meet that vision? You know what I'm saying? Is that too tough a question? Mm. No, no, I think, no, I think I... yeah, I mean, I think for me personally, I, especially with starting to do this kind of production stuff, it, this is the best way, at least for myself personally, knowing my, my uh, custom bills and, you know, how they go and how there are delays and everything for the business to be sustainable and for me to keep going in the direction that I want to go, I need the business to be sustainable. And so I found, or I finally have realized like by supplementing my custom stuff, essentially with production stuff and finding a balance there, I can keep making knives because otherwise <laughs> like I might have to step away and get a real job uh, instead of being knife guy and um and that's not what i'm interested in at all i'm yeah. i'm good at making knives and i'm and so yeah i think for me my biggest key has been finding that it, as as much as everybody and and i completely understand because I, I come from, i come from the perspective of doing custom stuff all the time and then i see people wanting to do more of the custom stuff and less of the production stuff but um I do so much of the custom stuff that it has become my standard production. And so by doing the production, it is kind of a step away or a reprieve or a breath of the fresh air from my custom stuff. And, um, but it's also, I think it's really, it's the answer to helping my business be sustainable, uh, over the longevity of my career. Hopefully for the next, you know, 30, 40 years, I can still do this. So, yeah. Uh, let's like there's, there's always the singing career to fall back on then hell no there isn't <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think for me it's I, I found over the last couple of months that everything needs to be far more process led for me so with regards to the production um, obviously you know the more process led that is the better um, and I can certainly plan ahead that way. Um, but also the other side of, 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 you know, what we do as well. So, you know, the selling and all the marketing stuff, you know, we're trying to put processes, my wife and I are trying to put processes in for that as well. Um, so that way we'll have a better understanding of what works and what doesn't work. Um, because up until now, I've basically just been shooting fish in a barrel, seeing what sticks. It's, you know, it's... It's been very much hit or miss, but now we've got this process and we can tweak it and, you know, we're refining it and we're finding it's working a lot better. So I think getting a process down for everything and what will also help then is, you know, when we take on our, our first sort of member of staff, you know, everything, they just follow that same process. Mm-hmm. We give, I've been giving this a lot of thought, actually, you know, staffing sort of in the future. First of all, whether we want to grow to have staff or whether we just want to be sustainable, just as my wife and I. 
Um, but the more I've been thinking about, we, we, you know, we want to stay small as possible, but obviously we want a certain quality of life. Um, and I think that, that first hire is I've been thinking about is, is massively important because you think production wise, I'd say probably 60 percent of my time is on the actual production of knives with 40 percent doing the other stuff, speaking to clients and going for meetings and all the rest of it. But if I were to get somebody else in that first member of staff, they wouldn't be doing that. They'd be doing 100 100 percent production. So therefore, our first member of staff is asking to boost production by 150 percent. It's only when you get into your second and third and fourth members of staff that you know that that production percentage diminishes. So yeah, I think get everything everything process led is 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 going to help um, not only for myself and my wife, but you know for our first employee, if and when that time does happen. Hmm. Hmm. What about you, Jeff? Well, first of all, where do where do you want to be? But rather than how you're going to get there, where, um, where do you want to be? I I mean, I want to. I I really want. I want to have a business that I'm able to tell my wife, you don't have to work anymore. You can, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to be able to have this business so she can, we can move. We're still in the, the first house we, we ever kind of moved in together before our daughter was born. We want to be able to, I want to, I want to give, I want to be able to have, I, I want to be successful so I, my daughter, she can go to college without debt. I want to be able to like, that's my goal. My goal is my, I really, this business and all the bullshit I do on the sides, it's literally to try to kind of alleviate the pressure of my family. And that's really what I focus on. And I'm fortunate enough to have a business partner who I respect and he's super, super smart. Best decision I ever made. And we talk about this all the time. And, you know, I just, luckily for me, I spent some time with Tomer at Florentine Knives and I just got back from Florida with Doghouse Forge. And what they're doing is, is they're very smart guys. Those two guys are incredibly smart in regards to looking what they're doing and seeing it as their passion, but realizing the reality of how do we make this sustainable and we're not wasting money and we're not wasting time. So mm-hmm. I'm very, I've always been, the biggest thing for us is not the materials, it's always the labor. So we really need to just, I need to focus on, and we're getting to the point now where we have gotten stuff laser, water jet cut, and we're going to, I want to start getting in, into, you know, trying to figure out ways in which we can kind of drop our labor cost and keep providing value to our customers. And that's honestly, and I, I you know, spending time with these guys, it really was very, very eye-opening for me. I think they're both, both of them are incredibly smart, uh, and I really, I like the ability to, that's it. I mean, I need to figure out ways in which to drop my labor um, and cut some of the cut some of the labor costs down, either outsourcing the labor or doing the labor or having another employee. I have a guy who comes in every so often and, you know, it's great, but it's like, you know, we need to just like kind of focus on kind of streamlining the business down to how can we, you know... How can we, that's the, that's the key. That's the key is, is to decrease the labor and increase the volume. That's a hundred percent. And, but keeping the customer, my customer service is very important to me. And, you know, we keep in touch with our our customers and that's, you know, giving that human touch is super important in this day and age. Customer service is like, I mean, it's, it's like gone to the wayside. And I think a lot of people appreciate the human touch that we provide and I want to keep doing that. So, I mean. It's, you know, we're going to have to start investing in, you know, in the labor. That's really what it comes down to. That's something, again, that I've been thinking about a lot over the past few weeks. And um, just yesterday, I was speaking to one of my suppliers for the handle materials. 
And just little things, like I'm now getting him to cut them to the exact size that I want, rather than I just get a batch of stuff in, then I've got to cut them down or I need to grind off more at the end. Um, just little things like that make a huge, huge difference. Like, I could, you know, I could spend two days just cutting things back down to a normal size when, for the sake of a phone call, you'll cut to the exact size that I want. Um, I also, j- just yesterday, I, I bought a little CNC mill, um, mm. which is going to help with my packaging. It's only a small one, um, but I'm hoping that I can sort of level up my skills a bit more so then I can get a bigger one and I can actually cut my handles exactly how I want them each time anyway. Um, so this cool. is you know basically a, a trial thing. It's it's a small version of what I want to be doing in in, in the future. It, um, it is it is a give and take in terms of like what's worth it. You know, like I know yeah. that you know there are some knife supply companies that sell G10s cut to the size of your of your of the size your rel- your nominal size for scales. But then mm. you can go and buy whole sheets, and you're saving money on the material. But I mean, yeah. you're not saving your you're not saving your money on the time to cut them down and get them squared away. And so there are these little things that you have to think about in terms of, of uh, ways in which to be the most efficient. Corby bolts have saved my day. You know, the Corby bolts have made uh, the handle, putting the scales on uh, fast, efficient, and seamless. And that's, that efficiency is, you know, that efficiency is a value, you know? Yeah. But it's also, you've got to remember that the bits that you enjoy doing, um, you know, it may be more efficient to cut these out, but I think if you're enjoying them, is you know, you've got to balance that up as well. well um, then you know, a, lot, a lot of people, a lot of people have told me about sort of the heat treating would be better if I outsource them, but I actually enjoy doing that bit, so I am going to keep it. But I do know that it would be for the business probably would be better if I were to outsource that. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things. Everything is everything is weighing things up, isn't it? Well, here's the other thing. I mean, in that regards to enjoyment, when I was in the restaurant business and I was. I would take a task that I enjoyed doing um, and somebody would say to me, your time is better spent doing something else. So it gets to the point where, yeah, you have to kind of weigh that enjoyment versus is this helping? Is it my enjoyment? What's the value of my enjoyment versus the bottom line? Hmm. You know, like I was at a metal shop once and no one had a driver's license. So I had to do all the driving to pick up stuff and stuff like that. And I liked it. I listened to the radio. But Mike, I was a better welder than I was a driver, and it was like it's it was crazy that they were sending one of their better welders out to pick up, you know, material. Yeah. So it was like he a way slow as well. That guy drives very fucking, slow. Fucking ain't right, I do. Especially when I got like you know, I'm listening to the radio and some good shits on. I might take a I might take the long way, you know. But I mean, it wasn't better. It wasn't better suited to send me out. It was better suited to have me in the shop. Yeah, yeah. It's not the most efficient use of your time. Yeah. Fucking great. I enjoyed the shit out of it. I listened to the radio and <laughs> sat, oh, I'm in traffic. This is terrible. You know? Oh, man. Let's bumper to bumper. What can I do? Yeah. So yeah. show up right when the day is over. Come back right when the day is over. You know? Clock out. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you got here right in the nick of time. Damn right I did. Is that pizza sauce you got around your mouth there, Jeff? No, no, no. <laughs> pizza sauce, yeah. <laughs> uh, we had a hey, guy. Man. We had a guy who used to do the driving before they fired him, and he used to actually when he they'd send him out for the day. If they found out that he was doing uh, like an Uber, like he was Ubering <laughs> while he was. It's true. <laughs> so he was. He would go out, oh, and then he'd pick somebody up in the fucking truck he picked somebody up in the truck and take it where they needed to go like airport and shit in a fucking install truck <laughs> good for him yeah, yeah. Oh, i had to get rid of him <laughs> oh my god oh, hey man blue can i ask you a question 
Okay, we've had some questions from you lot. Um, I'll jump straight in. The first one is CD Knives and Blacksmithing. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? What are the different backers and sticks that you use for hand sanding? The difference in the backers, I think he means. Um, So, you know, I've seen both of you doing hand sanding on your Instagram lives, and you seem to have different sort of sticks and that kind of thing. Um, He's asking what the difference is. For me, uh, so... The only difference actually between my two hand sanding sticks is what the actual sticks are made of. Otherwise, the backings on those sticks is a kind of like a dense rub- gasket, like rubber gasket. You can just get it like the hardware store. Um, and and that's it. So it's just a dense rubber gasket for me on top of either like I have my flat sanding stick and, I, and then I have my curved one that I use for getting into the hollow um, of my S-Grind. But, you know, I've heard of people doing felt backers, leather backers, uh, or just straight file, like hard backers, like with files or G10 or, or McCarter or anything like that. But that's what I got going on mine. So I'm using the... Sorry, go on. Go ahead. Please, please. I'm sorry for interrupting. I'm using the, the plastic stuff that I'm reforming for these recycled handles. I'm just using strips of that, and I've got one with a piece of leather... Um, epoxied onto the bottom sure um, and the only other thing that i use then is it like a wallpaper scraper which i use to get down into the plunge lines nice. that's basically oh. it yeah sounds like a fader trick there wow it is it is i like that it's a good move well i for me i mean i learned about sanding sticks from nick wheeler you know all hail to nick wheeler he um <laughs> he he had different types of sanding sticks and when he explained it he was explaining the hardness versus the rubber gaskets and stuff I actually made a, a, I made a, I was trying to, I was making, I heat treated a piece of stainless and I made this, uh, beautiful, not beautiful. It was a fine, hard, um, sanding stick. And I, it was so hard. I gouged, I accidentally, the paper slipped and I put a huge gouge in. So I stopped using hardened steel, um, for my sticks only because I was like, oh, one time's enough. I ain't, I'm going to do, I know what I'm going to do this again. (laughs) This is like, so I actually got some, I had some, uh, hard epay around and I got some hardwood epay. And then I made one that's got a flat bottom, just the wood. I got one, and I got one with the rubber. And, I, and then I took made one, and I put a little rubber gasket on it. And the, really, the difference is, is if you have like a hard, if you have a hard backing, it's almost like the plat your platen table. You know, your platen on your grinder. Sure. A hard backing is going to uh, keep this keep it rigid, and then you're going to be when you're sanding, you're taking off the peaks. When you're using a rubber rubber gasket, it gives you give. So part of that is going to kind of go into. It's going to like conform to. A, so you have a gouge. Right. It's going to conform a little bit into your. You know, if you have a dip, it's not going to take the tops off. It's going to kind of like keep. It's going to keep applying the sandpaper to that dip. But if you have a hard yeah. one, it can only. You're only trying to take the tops off. So I like. I I always uh, change my scratch prep pattern with a hard backing. Um, uh, a hard backing uh, sanding stick, and then when I'm doing my finishing strokes, because I've already changed the scratch pattern, so I've gotten the dips out with a, with the hard. Then I put the the rubber one, and I do my final pulls, and that kind of conditions the um the my, the final strokes. But it's really a question of like I don't want to be sanding a dip, you know. I want to get the dip out, so you, I, I kind of like sure. when you have the dip, you're kind of staying off that that indentation. Yeah, that's my opinion. I don't oh. know. Yeah. When it comes to backings, uh, one of the things that, just like you were saying, Jeff, to add to like 
the difference between the hard ipe and then the rubber backing is the softer you go with your backing whether it's to leather or to felt or anything like that that means it's 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 not pushing that sandpaper into the material as aggressively uh and so you can actually get a pretty nice satin finish uh at much lower grit than you would expect with because of kind of like that passive uh passive passiveness Passi- i don't know passivity passivity Passi- <laughs> i like passive passivity passivity yeah there it is <laughs> uh but you know make up words today you know I mean, at one point, <laughs> yeah, um, I, w- I was doing, especially when I was like uh, hand sanding out W2 with a hormone on it, I would take uh, some of that kind of sticky back felt that you see at the hardware store for moving furniture or stuff like that, or cut out your own little custom feet for the bottom of your your chairs or whatever you can and then putting that onto my sanding stick and then using a little bit of three in one oil and then powdered abrasive that you can buy. Uh, all over the place. Um, and and then with that oil, like the oil on the blade, oil on the felt, and which also kind of helps hold the 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 abrasive, that loose abrasive in place. I think I was working with like 320 or something like that. It really gives a really gentle, very soft satin finish. I mean, the, and with that, like it, it's hard to beat something like that if you're going to take it up to, I mean, you could take it up to four 400 grit and then actually go back down to that loose abrasive 320 and it looks more satin than the 400. Um, so playing with the backers could definitely give you some really interesting results. Just, just a side note. There you go. But what I would say, what changed my game massively um, when I was hand sanding is is the sandpaper because I was using mm. just shit, you know, from the local DIY store, really thin stuff. Um, and you know, at the time I was only doing it all wet as well, which I tended to dry now. But um, and it, it, would, it would just be terrible, and it would just leave horrible marks everywhere, and you'd be working really hard. The, the paper would run out very, very quickly. Um, but thanks to one of our sponsors, um, Indasa, they make the Rhino Wet. And most people have heard us talk about Rhino Wet. Absolutely. It's great stuff. It, it lasts for ages. It's got a really sort of good backing paper to it as well, which is important. Yeah. Um, it changed the way I do things. I'd say made everything 50% faster. Um, I go through so much less paper, so much less waste. Um, so Rhino Wet is the way to go. And actually, we can get you a discount. So if you head over to Texas Farrier Supply, and you use the promo code KNIFETALK10, you'll get 10% off not only Rhino Wets, but anything else that they sell. Um, and they sell a lot for knife makers. They have a whole knife making section there, and they, everything they sell, you can get 10% off with KNIFETALK10. So go take a look at Texas Farrier Supply, um, and they're on Instagram as well as Texas Farrier Supply, and I think it's texasfarriersupply.com. Um, and I said they supply the Rhino Wet, which is made by Indasa, and they're on Instagram as Indasa USA. So go follow those guys, and honestly, that will change the way you hand sand because it just makes things so much more efficient, so much less waste, and it just makes your life easy. Can I make one quick note? I and sure. it's based on the Rhino Wet. I love Rhino Wet. Hmm. I actually posted in the Knife Talk podcast uh, the the Indasa USA that they sent me. And I got Rhino Dry. There is a mm. big difference between Rhino Wet and Rhino Dry. I'm not 100% sure Rhino Wet is made for what... Rhino Dry is what we're made for, we're doing. So when you get a chance, definitely go with the Rhino Wet. The Rhino Dry seems like it's more for um, automotive automotive work, uh, like paint, light, light sanding, like for 
for the hardened steel stuff, go for the Rhino Wet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, there you go. Okay, guys. The next question comes from Texas Forge Blades. Hey, guys. What do you do with your little drops of knife steel when you're cutting out your blanks uh, or little pieces of Damascus? So what do you do with the little pieces? For me, they generally fall on the floor and they melt into the lino floor that I've got. So they stay there and I stub my toe on them quite regularly. Because <laughs> you're in like flip flops in your shop, right? Oh, yeah, obviously, yeah. Mm. No, they do, because they're hot and they fall on the floor and I've got this plastic floor in. They just stick to the floor. And, um, yeah, unless I pick them up immediately, they'll just stay there and it's a real pain. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, I need to go and pick them up. <laughs> uh, for me, when I cut off, especially the little Damascus end pieces, I usually keep them. Um, depending on how interesting the pattern is, um, I, I have had the idea of making like jewelry out of them or maybe saving them for decorative accents on knives, but I've literally used zero of them. So I have hundreds of these pieces of Damascus, just little end cuts laying around. And so I've started making a, uh, I, I think, what did I do? I got from an antique store, I got an old printer's drawer uh, for like a print press. And I'm st- in all the little slots where they would usually keep the little, the different print pieces, different letters and stuff. I've been putting the Damascus in there. So it's kind of a, like a little curiosity shelf now um, that I think would be cool to start lugging around to different knife shows, maybe, especially local ones or just to have on display, like in my shop. Um, if you send me one of those, I'll knock out a bottle opener and send it right back. And then you can finish it. With you. <laughs> oh, seriously. Seriously. I mean, I'll send, I'll send you two. You can keep one. I'll do it. Or you want to raffle one <laughs> off or do some bullshit. You know, one of those collaboration bullshit, whatever you want to do. Send it to somebody. You know, Collaboration but, bullshit. Well, bullshit collaboration. Well, I mean, the, the <laughs> raffle, all these raffles. I was really referring to all these raffles and, you know, stuff. But, but yeah, anytime you – that's – I tell you what. One of the things is, especially if you're doing stock removal, you know that you're taking that big piece out where the handle is. So I actually save all those. And if it's carbon steel, I use them for bottle openers. Um, right. eighth inch is kind of tough to forge. <laughs> Three thirty seconds is kind of tough for bottle openers and stuff. But like, you know, it, I I love it, and and I actually got uh some um Damascus from uh, Bob Rankin, and I made some really cool bottle openers with the offcuts. You don't need a whole lot. You don't need a whole lot to make bottle openers, and they're awesome gifts. And actually, I made him. I had enough to make me one, and then I made him one, sent him one out. Um. I love that. And also, I keep the thin stuff, like if I use uh, 330 seconds or 16th, I have a drawer of those for when I get into folding knives. You know, I, I have, mm. that's a yeah. plenty of room for like a little folding knife. Uh, I know guys sure. like to do those, what do they call it, kiradashis or something Kiridashis. like that? I was just yeah, say you that, could yeah. do that. I mean, you, there's a lot of, you know, you'd be surprised at how much you can get out of that, those little, those little chunks. So I always, I always keep those pieces and, you know, the stainless is kind of tough because I'm, I, you know, I'm not really sure. forging a lot of stainless, but like, you know, I, I've given, I've, I have a pile of, of the offcuts of like carbon steel and, you know. I got a piece of uh, San Mai I got from, uh, I did a knife a long time ago from Isaiah Schroeder. Uh, he gave me a piece of uh, a San Mai I made a knife with. And I got this little piece. I'm dying to make a little bottle opener with it. You say, I'm interested to see how the, the San Mai would uh, change based on uh, once it's done. Sure. But. 
I, I've also seen people, especially like you were saying, down by the handle, that kind of like that bigger chunk that you get out of there. Yeah. You forge that down to like a, a straight razor blade, potentially. There, There's obviously like the traditional kind that you see at a barbershop, but there's also uh, this Japanese style that's a single bevel straight razor that's a like a fixed handle. Usually it's maybe wrapped in something or, or whatever, but it's a sing- basically it's a single bevel straight razor. Um, but that wouldn't make a pretty or at least <laughs> probably not with the sand mine but with your mono steel that'd make a pretty sweet but also like friction folders friction folders yeah you know, yeah no absolutely you got a pile of material you got a pile of material in those in the in all those little pieces mm, bottle, sure. i, I want to make i made a uh actually a one-off cut i made a belt buckle for a for a for a friend of mine nice just forge it flat and put a thing on it and stick it on your pants you know Talking about those waist bits, I find it from, I think we were talking two weeks ago about it, but I said I didn't have a uh, a metal bandsaw, so I've been using an angle grinder for everything. I finally got one, and it's changed everything. It is so much easier. It's Isn't brilliant. it nice? Yeah. It's so <laughs> nice. So I made this little table for it and so on, so it, you know, it's nice and safe to use. But it cuts like butter. I'm amazed. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's changed my game. So my, my waist will actually be a lot better, whereas before, my waist was always... An angle grind. I was cutting into little bits, you know, cutting out these little sections each time. Sure, and sure. Do a straight line for too long. But now I've got you know proper big, big bits of waste, which yeah could be reused. Can yeah, I- and you're not throwing sparks all over the place. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to give a little love to the right angle grinder community. It's funny that you mentioned that because I've been doing a lot of forging with twists, and I you know you can hot when you're twisting like the Rubik's the cube twist or actually the pineapple twist. Hot cutting is is great, but when you're preparing your material with a thin cutoff wheel, you get such a good mark. Actually, I'll post uh, I'll post on uh, Monday or so. I did a uh, the the pineapple twist, which is the it, which is a very underutilized twist. Super super easy, great twist, and I used the right angle grinder to cut to incise my lines. And it was super consistent, and it was great. I love the grind. That that probably might be my favorite use of the right angle grinder is for incising very uniform marks for the twists. Yeah, yeah. yeah this, they look so cool. Those twists, dude. This pineapple twist I did over at Doghouse was the I hadn't done one in like fifteen years, and the first one I did sucked, and then the second one I did was <laughs> fucking awesome. And I was su- I was just like part of the reason why is I get this consistent line with the right angle grinder. Nice. There you go. Sounds like a good call. Hello? All right, now, I got a hammer, I got an anvil, I got a forge. I got no welder. Now, if I want to make some simple San Mai or simple Damascus, what is the best way to go about doing that? I just stack them and mash them? How'd I get them to stick? Okay, thanks. That's a, that's a proper question. Finally. <laughs> what are the but, first? But nobody yeah. ever leaves their name. He didn't. No, I nobody does. He, he left messages last week when he was saying, "When you get too hot, do you often just take your pants off and stand up?" Was he the same guy? Was he the same guy a long time ago? Was talking about like uh, stroking his strop or something like that? Wasn't there something like that? Remember that guy? <laughs> Sounds similar, guy. You know, <laughs> well, is, the yeah. tone is the same for sure. <laughs> tone is the same. His wife's going to find his phone bill and say, what's this hotline number you've been <laughs> <laughs> what, what have you been talking about? Yeah. Best left unsaid, I think. So he wants to learn how to... He wants, he's got an anvil, he's got a forge, he's got a hammer, 
and he wants to make San Mai, what's the best way to do it? No, no welder. No welder. Um, yeah. I would guess... All right, so I I think the easiest way to make San Mai without a welder would actually to be to take a wider piece of jacketing material, maybe say it's two inches wide or something like that, and then have your core material only be about an inch wide. And at the crook where your horn of your anvil meets the table, you can start bending that piece in half and essentially make a taco and and then forge weld and do a core weld and put in insert that piece kind of like a bit weld actually sorry um and and make a little steel taco and and je- i mean you you don't want to just smash them mash them you actually it's just kind of a gentle process but i think with um with s- some finesse and taking your time especially if this is your first time uh you could definitely get a sandmai that way without um without a welder i i can't imagine that you'd be able to get to too large of a blade out of it but it's something that would go. be my choice that would be my, my 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 move <laughs> get a couple dudes with some sledgehammers too right yeah oh well, i mean that might be a place where again a flatter would come in great because you can distribute that that pressure or that force across a larger area but yeah i think I think like a two, if you were going to do like a small blade, a two inch wide by four inch jacketing material, whether it's just mild steel or whatever, and then a one inch core, you can insert that one inch core after you get that uh, mild steel folded over in half and, and you got yourself a Samai. Couldn't you go the lengthwise? Like if you had the, the jacketing material be, if let's just, for argument's sake, let's just say the billet's going to be two inches. If you had, sure. if you had a long length and then you fold it over like lengthwise, couldn't you do it that? Would that be easier than forging widthwise? Um, uh, maybe. I, don't know. I, I honestly have never I have no idea. <laughs> done it without a welder. So. Um, I never meet Sam either. How the fuck do I know? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea. A taco. Go get a taco. That's the answer. Steel taco. Just go get a regular taco. Go you know? Get a real taco and then Just go get buy a taco and then go buy some Sam Mai. <laughs> <laughs> Speak to Bob Rankin. He'll wanna, make some. Now food. I want a taco. Yeah. <laughs> We've got another question from Powell Blades. Uh, Dear Diary, can I ask you a question? <laughs> When gluing up scales with multiple layers, how do you keep everything from sliding around when you're trying to vice grip it all down? And he's assuming that your pins or bolts are coming later. Yeah, that happens mm, a lot. I've got a good process for this now. Should you mind if I jump straight in? Do it. So um, if it's multiple layers, um, I mean, in my case, it's generally a wood with a G10 layer. Um, so this is all done you know, before he even sees the knife. Um, I've got this piece of composite. It's like it's like flooring, um, but it's it's about five foot in length. So I clamp that to my bench, so it's overhanging by about three inches. Um, I then line the whole thing with a, a greaseproof paper, um, which you know a normal sort of kitchen greaseproof paper. Um, what I then do is I'll epoxy both sides of you know whatever I'm sandwiching together, put them together. Put the the G10, my G10 is generally just sort of one millimeter, really thin. So that goes down first, and then the wood is on top. And then I just use a couple of finger clamps, just the, you know, the spring clamps, really sure. loose, really light. I, I then um, clamp them down to that bit of composite flooring that I've got. So it's a completely flat floor, um, and I know that it's, 
I've got the uh, the greaseproof paper there as well. So when it has dried, the next morning I can just peel them off. There's no sticking anywhere. Um, and if I want to do multiple layers, I always do them separately. So I'll only glue one layer at a time. I never sure. you know, try. If it's a three layer thing, I I literally take two days to do them. So I'd, I'd glue one layer, let that set, then the next day just repeat that process again but the the greaseproof paper on like a composite flooring works really well because you know you've got a completely flat surface which is being clamped onto um and as i said with the greaseproof paper it just peels off and you're ready to go i have a different way to do it and it's interesting that you say that because i know you what you can do also if you wanted to i know what uh, jonathan porter does is he's got some aluminum i-beams and then the Mm. aluminum i-beams you can clamp on both sides but what I do is I found out that Kydex does not stick to epoxy. So I've actually made layer, I made like little segments of, of Kydex, like little sections the size of my scales. So I'll glue up three different, I'll glue up three liners together. Both sides, of the, if the liner's got three li- liners, right, it's got multiple materials. I glue them all together. I, I put them all together both sides with the um, kydex in between and then I use squeeze clamps on the end and the squeeze clamps prevent the um, the sliding around. I know exactly what he's talking about. It slips and slides and then when the squeeze clamps are on both the the thin side, the outsides then I start to put clamps on and what happens is I can use less clamps for more gluing and then um, once it's all glued up I undo all the clamps and then I give a little bit of a flex and the, the epoxy releases from the kydex. So I can I can glue up more quicker, but that is that 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 slip around is a drag. Yeah, and I find those like G clamps or the F clamps because they work by turning a screw. Sometimes when you're doing things up, obviously that you know that the head or whatever you're turning will sort of, you know twist everything around. Twist things sort of. around. Yeah. F clamp. Yeah. yeah. What's an F clamp? Yeah. An F clamp. It's, it's like a G clamp. But what the fuck is a G clamp? <laughs> oh, Jesus. What is this? The what alphabets those... of clamps? What is going on? <laughs> those clamps. Those clamps with the screw, with the lead screw, and you turn them, and they, you know, they tighten up. All right, a C clamp. Um, uh, Actually, you know what? World, you know suppose. what? God damn it, I'm looking at them right now. It looks closer to a G than a C. Well, thank yep. you. Thank you. But and there's F one that looks like an F. There's the square ones look like an F. Too. Fuck, get the fuck. But what, what, I, the F what clamps for get is, the fuck out of here. There's no, there's no fucking F clamp. <laughs> what I'm getting at is that, that rotary motion will often make skew things. So so I tend to now just use um, spring clamps instead what? Um, because they, you don't get that rotary motion. And I'm also finding that I'm using less clamps these days. I think I've been, in the past, I've been clamping things just too too hard and t- I'm getting too much epoxy run out. Um and yeah, I think you're better off not clamping so hard. As long as everything's in place and flat, you're going to be good. All right, there we are. G clamp with a C, G, or an F clamp. Yeah, or, or, you know, whatever F, you want. F clamp. I'm all about those Z clamps. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like how many we got? I mean, Jesus, Jesus, Europe. How many clamps do you need? <laughs> all right, so we got another one from uh, Great Bernard Eleven. He says. Uh, I, I, sorry. He says, hey, cuties. Uh, I guess this question is for all of you, especially Craig. I've got a gorgeous three year old or three week old daughter. How did you get through the newborn phase? Love the podcast. Congratulations, great Bernard 11. Congratulations, yeah. indeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
how'd you get past the newborn phase? Um, I think we're still in it, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's no real advice. I used to hate when people used to give me advice when the babies were first born. Um, but I just sure. think try and get out of the house every day. That made a huge difference for us because we, that meant you had some sort of schedule to go to and it puts them into a schedule yeah. and, and all the yeah. rest of it. But it's, it's quite easy to go three or four days without leaving the house and you're just there. You look a mess. You're climbing the walls. Um, <laughs> get, out, get out of the house. Everybody gets some fresh air. Everybody's happy. Um, and just little... Uh, a bit of a story here. So this weekend, we, as a family, we all went out. We all went into uh, Breve, this big city, and we had a nice lunch somewhere. I think it's really important sometimes to just get out of your normal, um, just so you appreciate what you've got. Because I think, particularly for us over here, because we're over here without any real support network. So it's, it's me, my wife, and the, and the babies, you know, 24 hours a day, every day. Um, and sometimes you just think, geez. You know, it, it is hard. It's really hard. So just make sure you take that time sometimes just to get out and do something really enjoyable and appreciate what you've got. Because, you know, a three-week-old, you know, it's not going to be long until they're, they're getting married themselves. <laughs> oh, jeez, getting deep. But, um, yeah, just make sure you get out each day. That, that made a big difference to us. Yeah. I think for us, I think the schedule thing, keeping them on a consistent schedule is the same thing. Uh, was, or we found it's really important. Uh, I think as as a dad, one of the things I really struggled with when our guy was first born is realizing how useless I am, other than as a support system. But it's like, I can't help feed him, really. Uh, I, you know, I can help change diapers, but, you know, I don't know. I just, I felt, I felt an, an amazing sense of inadequacy, essentially as as to like not being able to really help the dude but uh i found that the best thing i could do was to help support my wife you know change diapers or whatever give her give her as much of a break because you know for those first few weeks like damn kids pretty much just latched on to the moms like all the time <laughs> so do as much as i could to support my wife at that point Basically, she, the, she basically took care of the dude and then I took care of her as best as I could. The little things are, you're right, 100% right. The little things are, are very important. I was going to say, uh, for me, it's it's like you got to put your head down and not think about it and just keep going. Because it's like <laughs> there's some bullshit that he had to do, you know, the, the lack of sleep and all of a sudden the school, you know, the nursing, the, the, you got to come home because the, the kid is, you know, whatever, there's no school or no daycare. It's like you got to be you just have to kind of not overthink it too much. And the other thing is is what Craig you were saying is that they're you're going to be people say this you're going to turn around they're going to be like off to getting married in college. You have no idea how true that is. I mean, I now I remember when my daughter was born. And I remember when she was young and you, you know the age that your kids are. Now my kids about to turn 15. It's a totally it's like it's shocking. It's shocking and it's a little upsetting and it's very it's it's a little sad too because you remember this little squirt and then next thing you know she's you know talking about pre-calculus and thinking about colleges so it's it's <laughs> it's totally it's it's a mind it's that's the biggest mind blowing enjoy it now because you're going to be shocked when it's all over and then you know life mm. takes hold and for your own sanity stay away from all those those forums. Um, you know, because it's just full of women saying, oh, my baby can walk already at you know, 
three days old. Can <laughs> yours? And they're all full of bullshit, and they're, they're trying to feel bad about yourself. I, do your own thing. I do. Yeah, you'll be fine. I desperately hated it. I I, I told mm-hmm. uh, when I was raising our kid, I definitely I was I decided. My dad had said to me, he's like, don't be that guy who. Look at my, you know, look at what my kid could do. Look at my kid. Oh, my kid's so smart. And, and I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. And I, I showed the love to my kid, my daughter, and I was very proud of her, but I didn't have to like make a big production about it. And the other thing I did, which helped my kid become a little bit more socialized, was I talked to her like a regular person. And this is crazy. Mm-hmm. I didn't do the baby talk. I never did the oh, boo, 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 all that all that bullshit. I never did that. I always talked to my kid like a person, and I listened to her even at a young age. I listened to her like a person. I interacted to her like the way I would interact with an adult without cursing, believe it or not. And honestly, when she got to the third grade, she used to say to me, "My teacher talks to me in baby talk, and I don't understand what her problem is." So like our conversation, I mean, I tell you what, I honestly think that infantilizing your kids with the baby talk, look at it, that's such a good, they think that that's what that's supposed to be like all the time. And when you start to talk to them, like with a regular tone of voice, the way you talk to a normal person, they feel like they, that you matter as much as other people. Mm-hmm. I, it's crazy. And now we're at the stage now where we told our daughter about a couple of years ago, we said, all right, you have free, you're, you're free to curse in the house because we felt like. I wanted to get, we wanted to get to know who she was as she was growing up. And we thought, eh, what's the big, say a fuck here and a shit here. What's the big deal? So we ended up getting, and we, but we said, you know, in back in public, you know, you're in school, you can't use this kind of language. You all, you also represent our family. But if you're in the house, you want a conversation with us and talk. It gave us, she could express herself the way she felt the most calm the most who who she was and we got the most fascinating conversations with her because she felt that she could express herself so that is one of the things that i think a lot of people don't do it they don't allow their kid to express who they are and allow them to be who they are in the house so there you are so but, lots of good advice there, but remember that first one of don't listen to anybody's advice do your own thing yeah and by the way <laughs> the first time your kid says to you what the fuck you, that's you gotta fucking give it to him. You know you can't use that shit with me. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. What the fuck, Dad? That gets cut off at the knees. Then all of a sudden, it you gotta you gotta make sure that you can't let that shit go. Hello. Hey guys, this is Eric Griner from Texas Forged Blades. I was just wondering how thick the insulation on a forge should be. Thank you. That's a good question. That's how to leave a message. You leave your name, you say the message quickly, thank you, and you're out. Direct. Direct. How thick should the insulation be on a forge? I mean, when I've made, I made a forge with um, my own lead man, John Ledford, and when we use KO wool, and we we basically uh, uh, lined, it's a a circular, a, a cylindrical forge, and we lined it with KO wool, and that's really all we've needed and but you can make i've seen perfectly good forges made out of fire brick so sure i mean as long as i mean the kale wool i don't know what the how it comes in terms of thickness but like if it's not if the outside of the forge isn't glowing red hot i think it's pretty good yeah yeah you know i think uh i think kale wool can come up to like two inches thick at least maybe even thicker um my my only concern with kale wool is that uh the fibers 
that the kale wool is made out of. And by the way, so this is like a kind of like a fibrous blanket almost. It looks like exactly. batting that you might see inside of like a quilt, right. but it's it's heat proof or uh, heat resistant up to like 2,800 degrees or something like that. Or <laughs> yeah, saying ridiculous R value. But anyways, um, the, the fibers that the, the kale wool is made from are horrible for anybody to uh take into their lungs and so uh, a tip that somebody showed me a while back was to make up so they used castable refractory which is essentially high temperature resistant concrete uh on top of the vermiculite stuff isn't it vermiculite something like that it's called um vermiculite is more it's like a insulate insulator that's sometimes used in gardening um yeah. for like soil um right. but this this is more like a, a cement like an actual like a concrete or something like that but it's 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 ins- it has an insulating value of also around 28 to 3200 degrees or something like that i use uh mizzou castable refractory but you make a slurry of the refractory um and and get it really wet and you and then you kind of soak the the fabric in it and what that does is it helps kind of lock down those fibers in a way so that they're not going to be loose and flying all over because when the air comes blowing in, it's, you know, it's pushing those flames out and everything. And that stuff's getting into the air that you're breathing. It's horrible for you. So, uh, and then I used castable refractory on top of that. And I think the thickness of my walls and my forge is about inch and a half um thick and i can touch the outside of my forge i mean i'm not holding hands with it or anything but you know you can tap it on the outside just like you can kind of like touch the surface the cooking surface of like a cock uh what the fuck i don't know <laughs> of a cast iron pan uh, of a cock you, uh, <laughs> of a cast iron pan whoa <laughs> cast iron pan you know how you can touch the surface of like your cooking pan that's what i was starting mm-hmm. to say i was starting to say cooking and then i changed it to cast iron right yeah. in the middle of it <laughs> anyways yeah. you, know you, um, you gotta touch your cock that's what you said <laughs> that is what i said mm-hmm. it's not what i meant to say mm-hmm. anyways yeah. uh it, it's surprise it's amazing how well insulated uh it is to finish that off there you go but Hey, yeah. you, you know what you should do? <laughs> I love that. Shut guy. the fuck up is what I, I should do. That I, I like it. I like it. Interrupt. Hey, you. Uh. <laughs> so we've got just time for just, just one quick tip. Um, and, and it's from Pioneer Road. Um, and this is actually about cooking. So to change up your spaghetti sauce or ragu, try adding some ground cumin. Mm. It does sound tasty. That's like, that's like chili department. Oh, that's like that. Yeah, that turns into a... that turns into chili department, as far as I'm concerned. And, and cumin's got like this. It's like a quite. It's not. It's not really a spicy. It's more of a. It reminds me of. That's <laughs> horrible. Go ahead. Like sweat. You know, like old sweat. That's what cumin reminds well, me of. The smell of. I mean, that doesn't so, really. Uh, uh, no, I'm gonna keep that way out of my sources. All right. Well, you know, we need to change this. We definitely need to change. You know what you should do to uh we, we all we do is attack the tips. We do. We attack That's the best bit. Judge, it is yeah, the best bit. judge your tips. That's we judge your tips. Yeah, no, no fucking cumin in my ragu, my spaghetti sauce. Get out of here, man. Come on, man. That's chilly. Hey, I'll all of a sudden it. it's chilly. Yeah, it's chili. If you like chili, then put the cumin in your spaghetti sauce. There you go. Community <laughs> showcase. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Though. I love it when you interrupt. You stop everything with that guy. You can tell my wife's on her way back home, can't you? So I'm going to dash through I, all these. Dude, quick from now on, 
I love it when you just, in the mid-sentence, I want that guy to fucking jack me. No problem. I mean, well, that sounded bad. We've just had enough. Community <laughs> Showcase. <laughs> I don't want him to jack me. I want him to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to jump straight in with my Community Showcase this week. Um, and it's actually a scissor maker. Um, and it's Ernest Wright Limited. So Ernest Wright with a W and then LTD on Instagram. Um, and what I really like about their feed is they're all handmade scissors. Um, you know, it's, it's a factory, but it's a small factory. Um, but they show their, the way they do it on their Instagram feed. And some of the machines that they've made are incredible. So they're using generally sort of knife-making equipment, um, but they've adapted it for, for scissors. And I just found it really fascinating. And they make, they make beautiful, beautiful sort of classic scissors too. So, so go and take a look. It's Ernest Wright Limited. So that's Ernest, then Wright with a W, then LTD. Um, and you'll probably learn something. From, even if you're a knife maker, you'll probably learn something from their feed. It's really nice. I love watching scissor makers do their thing. It's so cool. Scissors are All right. it's basically tongs. It's If you know how to make tongs, you know how to make scissors for the most part. It's the same thing. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Basically. All right. I want to give some love to my buddy, Josh Weston. He is a former Fortune Fire competitor uh, as well as a champion. He was also on Knife of Death at one point, but he overall is a super talented, very creative uh, bladesmith. who has like a, a background in design and art and uh, he does these really elaborate illustrations and just to help him like visualize a project before he builds it out. Uh, it's really cool. His stuff's really inspirational. I just want to give him some love. You go check him out. He's on Instagram as simply Josh Weston. And um, yeah, I think it's Josh A. Weston. Josh A. Weston. Oh, did I screw that up? Oh yeah, you're right. It is yeah. Josh A. Weston. And so, uh, <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> he's an extraordinary uh, yeah. drawer. His, his, his illustrations really, really are stunning. He's a they very, really very, are. very talented guy. Good guy, too. Real nice. Sure. Always very, very friendly. Happy to see you. He's a super dude. Super dude. Yeah, and he's got a YouTube, and I think, uh, yeah, and he does teach his stuff. So, yeah. He just finished up a Dragon. Also, he, sorry, just really quick. He just finished up a Dragon Forge that you got to go check out. That's really elaborate and super cool, too. That I thought it was a really neat project. Yeah. Nice project. Well, I'm going to just give someone... Not, I'm going to give love to my buddy, uh, Carl Ruiz, uh, Sabor Chef, who just passed away. It, it, he made the internet fun. He made social media fun. And you, you can... It's still his... You know, he passed away, but his Instagram's still there. It's Sabor Chef, S-A-B-O-R-C-H-E-F. He made things fun. He he really made cooking fun. He did all these crazy things where he was raiding. Like, there's the funny thing in New York where there are some hot dog guys have a Sabret's hot dog. I know this is very local. There's a Sabret's hot dog flag. And he would go and he said, this doesn't taste like a Sabret's. So he would rate the hot dog vent. That was the last bit he did. He would rate whether or not somebody's actually using Sabret hot dogs or not. He was always very, very fun online. And his Instagram feed is super fun. He's also on... Um, if you listen to the OP Radio podcast and listen to from episode one to the present, you really feel you feel who this guy is. And he was super, super supportive of knife makers. I know that he um, one of his last pictures, he was wearing one of Morocco's shirts and he's just mm-hmm. a, he's a super dynamite guy. Yeah. And, you know, he passed away, but there's still so much content to kind of see who the guy was. And, and I just want to, you know. He's not a knife maker, but he's my friend and, and uh, definitely worth the follow just to even see who he was. And Sabor Chef on Instagram, S-A-B-O-R-C-H-E-F. 
Yeah. And he, again, he, like usual, we'll have links to all these in the show yeah. notes. All right. Yeah, he always had... I was very... I always thought he was, I only met him the one time, but he was always very nice. And whenever I popped into his live feeds, he always had very kind things to say. And yeah, he was, like you said, he was very supportive. And uh, he, yeah, people would, he, I'll tell you one quick story about him. He would have cooks send him a message saying, oh, my wife just kicked me out or I'm having problems with this, problems with that. He would DM them. Here's my number. Give me a call. He would call. He would call people, you know, he didn't need to be famous. Like, he was a salt-of-the-earth guy. He was super, super supportive of the little guy, mom-and-pop shops. He was super available, and he was hilarious, but he really helped a lot of people in bad situations out, and he was just a dynamite guy, and he didn't ask for anything from me. I gave him knives, and he moved them, and he was never like, you know, he was just a fucking awesome guy, and, and um, he he loved you, Mareko, and he was just a, he was a super dude, super dude. Yeah, yeah. Hey, cuties. What's the best thing you've had in your mouth this week? Okay. <laughs> Let's keep it brief. Let's keep it brief. Let's start with Mareko. What's the best thing you've eaten this week? Okay, so something I've started doing really uh, for, like, quick and easy dinner, and Jeff Jeff might die hearing this, but no, no, no. Uh, there's this, this company called Stonefire. They make, like, non- um, that you can just buy in the freezer aisle or something like that. I mean, we first found it at Costco, but they're really great. They're little things. We make tiny little personal pizzas, basically. Nice. Um, and we used to do them like you know, like uh, English muffins or something when I was growing up. But these little these little non pizzas, the dough it's like got a similar elasticity and mouthfeel and stuff. And you just it takes literally, you know, as the oven is coming up the temperature you can make these in like five or ten minutes and then put them in bake them until the cheese is melted it's plenty of time to warm everything up super quick super easy and it's a, I, you know i love it it's a quick and easy it kind of speaks back to my like broke kid date like growing up <laughs> and so uh so it's a somewhat nostalgic in a way and uh yeah that's what i had french bread toaster bread free, french bread toaster bread pizzas were huge in the late 80s like I, I, I could never understand it, but it was like you know, getting a, a Stouffer, <laughs> a, you know, a Stouffer's French bread pizza was like a big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What have you got, Jeff? Uh, I had a lot of meat this week, and the be- I had a steak last night. But I was actually I went to a fight on uh, a Friday at uh, a factory. We had a great time, and then I got the royal treatment. I went up to the kitchen to see my buddy Mike. Uh, Mike uh, Anastasio and his sous chef David, who were or listening to listen to the podcast, and I did. He did a little quick. He said to me, "Say, hey, are you hungry?" And they were cleaning up their kitchen, and he pulled out these uh, skirt steak ends that he marinated in honey and sauce Ooh. and heat, and he just grilled them on the spot, and he just cut them on a cutting board, and we all wolfed them down. It was. He's one of my favorite cooks of all time, Mike Anastasio. He wolfed out. We wolfed down this skirt steak. It was dynamite. That was really dynamite. And then last night I had, I had a steak frites, Sturgis Spanos of uh, of uh, uh, Birdsell House made me a steak. I, I've been eating vegetarian for like the past few months. I had a couple steaks this week, and boy, man, I was good. Good, good, good. <laughs> mid-rare, mid-rare, mid-rare. That's it. Mid-rare. Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, mine is a dessert. I'm not normally a desserty kind of guy, but we went out for a nice lunch yesterday. Um Meal was all great, but the best part was the dessert. So it was a it was a it was a pan perdu. So, um, 
I suppose it's like a French toast for those who don't know. Yeah. So it's you get this, you get a lump of lump of bread. And what they did, they lots of melted butter over it and, and an egg whisked up, and they they soaked this bread in there. Um, but then they put lots of brown sugar across the top, across the crust, then put it into a raging hot oven, so it sort of went crispy around the top. And they did mm. this with like a fig jam and just a little bit of sort of you know traditional sort of vanilla ice cream. And it was just the best, the absolute best. And you've got to think, you know, the cost of this thing to make is is pennies. You know, it's real sort of peasant food, but my God, incredible. So a really crispy top, really soft scent and sweet. And oh, oh you're getting all horned up. Amazing. I love it. When you talk about food, that's you what get, it sounds like. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You get all food horned up every there. time you talk about this food. <laughs> It was incredible. I'm not normally a dessert kind of guy. I'm much more of a savory guy. But honestly, this was extra special. But you were frothing over that milfoil you had a couple of weeks ago too. I know. That's what I mean. I'm, I'm turning into this this fat bastard who's eating sweet stuff all the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well worth a go. So yeah, Pampudu, very very nice. That's a show. What I about think. the That's beefs? Reckon to the beefs. Are we right, we got ten minutes All right. to do these beefs, okay? Quick. Otherwise, my wife is going to be banging on the door. All right, so quick. Let me wait. Where are we? Where are we? Quick, quick, quick. Where are we? Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. We've got beefs. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll be All quick right. too. Everybody knows what this part of the show is: where we talk shit and where we express our frustrations. I'll keep mine quick. Uh, Washington drivers. So I complain about Connecticut drivers, <laughs> drivers of course. Again. You always yeah. hate drivers. Washington drivers. Are a bunch of chickens, and one idiot was driving on a two-lane road, 50 miles an hour. He's coming towards me, drifting into my lane. Obviously tells me he's looking at his phone. Um, he's about 50 yards from me. He's not far. And I honk on my horn. They swerve back into the lane, and they flip me off. <laughs> but this is, <laughs> this, is the thing. this is the thing. People are so afraid to use horns over here. That I think he was actually flipping me off because I honked at him for driving in my fucking lane. Yeah. So. How uh, mad? How mad did you get in the car when he flipped you off? I just kind of like I was like, "Really? You fucking flipped me off?" I almost turned the car around. Actually, <laughs> chased him down. Chased him down. Yeah, you idiots. got a problem with driver. Right. You, yeah, driving and see, maybe you should go take the train. I, 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 I don't bad drivers are no good. All right. Get Jeff to drive you, nice and slowly. Not me, man. I'm the passenger. <laughs> yeah. Who's next? M- mine is Instaprex. So those guys, it's happened to me twice this week. So you put up, you put up a post or whatever, and people will comment and just nasty, horrible, pointless comments just to make themselves feel a little bit better. So I'm not going to say who they are or even what the posts were, but these, these people, we all know these people. They've got nothing going on in their lives, and they go on and they just try to bring you down a little peg. So these are they're Instaprex. And if you're an Instaprick, I really passionately dislike you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you are. Hey, real quick, because I don't want Craig's wife to get mad. Yesterday, I was cooking paella. For, we cooked four giant pans of paella, and we have served, we served hundreds of orders. It was amazing. It was great. And, you know, we had muscles, and it was fast-paced and stuff like that, and people were loved. The food, our food was the best of the whole festival, hands down, no question. Everybody else was had prepared food ahead of time, put them under burners. We were cooking food on the spot, and it was great. This one woman came up to me in the afternoon, and she just started saying, my husband and I had two plates of paella, and we didn't have that many muscles. And I've been oh walking God. around, 
and seeing all these muscles on other people's plates. And she just kept going on and on and on and on and on. And I just grabbed a plate. I fuck. I, and I spooned on a pile of muscles. And I'm like, here you go. I'm sorry about that. And she was like befounded that I didn't want to fight with her. She's like, oh, but, but, but I'm like, here, here's some muscles. And she was like, oh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, and then she started getting angry that I didn't give her a fight. I was like, here you are. You want muscles? Here you go. Here's some muscles. Because well, my husband and I bought some. I'm like, okay, here, here's some more muscles. And it was, no need to fight. Yeah, yeah. fight's <laughs> over. I'm giving you what you want and I want you to leave. So this old bat, this old Yenta from wherever, was such a pain in the ass, but she, I, she just came right up to me. She goes, my husband and I have seen a lot of people eating a lot of muscles, and we only got two muscles. I'm like, here you go. Boom. Fuck off. Here you go. Here are your muscles and fuck away off. There you I are. I bet she's an Instaprec. If she's on Instagram, she's an she, That old bat's on Instagram. He ain't on Instagram. That was the only complaint. That was the only complaint of the whole day. I'm like, all right, fix the problem. Here you go. Muscles. Boom. Get out. So, kill him That's with kindness. That's definitely a show. Definitely a show. We're done. We are done. Thank you very much for listening. This is going to be our big Monday episode. So, if you're listening, hopefully it's Monday. Um, and we should speak to you again next week. Bye-bye right. for now. Boom, boom. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.